are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so <laughs> aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day by day. Amen. Amen. All right, and that's our message today on prayer. <clears throat> so let me just pray and we'll go home, all right? <laughs> uh, Gil, if you're uh, newer this morning, again, my name's David. I'm one of the pastors here. Our lead pastor's away this weekend with his wife, Teresa. He'll be back and we'll be kicking off a brand new message series next month. I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of our time together this morning. But today we're going to wrap up a message series that we've been in for the past several weeks. It's entitled All In. There are some notes that you'll find stuck in your bulletins if you want to grab those and follow along. Uh, if you're listening uh, by podcast, we're glad to have you with us today and encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33, and that's where we're going to be this morning. If you need a Bible, there should be some uh, in the racks down below you. If you have a version Bible app on your smartphone or a, a tablet or something like that, you can turn in the live event notes and you can follow along there today. We always put those in there for you <clears throat> in case you'd like to follow along there and take some notes. We've been in this series the last several weeks exploring some questions that come out of Mark chapter 12 when Jesus was asked the question, what's the most important stuff out of all the teaching in the law? And Jesus simply said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and then he said there's a second one that comes with it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've been looking at what it means to love God being all in. And we've been talking about several questions like, what's it like to love God with all your heart and soul? And in that first week, we talked about devotion. Then in the second week, we talked about, can I love God with my mind, too? And we talked about learning and studying God's Word and studying the Scriptures and the implications that has in us uh, loving God. And then lastly, last week, we talked about what does it mean to love God with all my strength, and we talked about the value of servanthood and the value of selfless living and loving God in that way. And these ideas about loving God take us beyond the emotion, that ooey-gooey sentiment of loving God. It moves us into a firm decision a deep conviction, a focused determination to lean into the Lord with everything that we have at our disposal, inwardly and outwardly. And that's what loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, being all in is really all about. Now, part of the challenge to this, though, 
is that God's not right here in front of us. Like we can't see him. And so if you're one of those folks that's exploring faith in Jesus and what it looks like to be a Christian and you're kind of eh, not so certain about that, I get that. And as we're talking today, as we're talking about all in kinds of conversations with God, I want to give you permission just to listen in as I talk to folks who are convinced, who are following Jesus and who are trying to be all in. It's okay for you to be able to have some questions and explore. I remember when I was growing up, Wondering, what would it be like to have an actual face-to-face conversation with Jesus? What, what would that be like? And so I would talk to my parents, and we would, I would kind of imagine that. And even with my kids growing up, there's been a lot of conversations. What would that look like? What would that be like um, to experience that? What if we could have a face-to-face conversation with Jesus. You know, we can't bring him a box of chocolates. We can't open the door for him. Uh, we can't send him flowers because he's not right here present with us. But can we talk to him somehow, some way, in a way that demonstrates that we're all in, heart, soul, mind, and strength? And so if you're here today and you've kind of had maybe some bad experiences with faith or or with Christianity or the church or whatever, I want to give you permission just to be able to sit back and listen in and say, "Eh, I'm going to explore this a little bit. I want to push back. I want to ask some questions. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Uh, here at Riverside. We want you to be open at least to the idea that there could be a God out there who wants to say something to you today, that he wants to whisper in your ear your value and your worth, that he has a plan for your life, that there's something there and he wants to say something to you. That's my hope as we go to his word uh, together this morning that you would do that. So what would a face-to-face conversation with God sound like? I think part of your answer to that question depends on where you're at in your own life and in your own journey. Are you kind of more of a, of a, a, a person of, it's kind of more selfish or are you more selfless? Are you mature or are you more immature? Where, where's your character in the journey? What are the circumstances of life? Are, are, you, are you spinning out of control or does it look like that things are kind of nice and neat and, and tidy right now in your life? I think a lot of what your answer to that would be would be dependent upon the stage of life and the circumstances and kind of who you are internally as to how that dialogue could look. So because I don't know where any of you are in those areas today, I want to encourage you just to close your eyes with me, okay? Just close your eyes, and I want you to picture yourself having a conversation face-to-face with Jesus, okay? So find the spot in your home where it's um, the most comfortable for you. Okay, you're in your favorite chair, you're in your favorite, you're in your favorite seat or wherever it might be. You've got your favorite blanket with you, maybe your pet. How many of you are sitting there with your dogs? Let me see your hands. Okay? How many of you are sitting there with your cats? Okay, please replace your cat with a dog if you would. Just <laughs> just play along. <laughs> I just alienated all the cat people right here. All right. So you're going to picture that God is sitting across from you face to face as a friend does to a friend, and he's got a cup of coffee in his hand, and you two are going to have a conversation, all right? Now, part of that conversation that you're going to have with him, adding into what we've been talking about, is whether or not you're all in or not with God. Are you 75% in? Are you 50% or 25 or eh, you're not sure if you're in at all? Or are you 100% in? All of those things are going to factor in to what your all-in conversation will look like. Okay, you can open your eyes. 
Now that you've got that vision in your mind, I just want you to hang out there for a little while, and we're going to look at a conversation that a man in the Old Testament by the name of Moses has with God. He's been chosen to lead the nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery and bondage that they've had for 400 years. They've come out of that now, and they're caught between the land of Egypt and the promised land. And there's a text in Exodus chapter 33 that shows us, depicts for us in a beautiful way what it looks like when a person has a conversation with God face to face. So I'm going to ask you if you would to stand with me, and I'm going to read just a few verses, and then you can have a seat. We do this in honor of God's word. Exodus chapter 33, we'll put the words up on the screen there, and you can just follow along as I read. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Father, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see and help us to do something with what we hear today from your word in your name? Amen. As you're having a seat, I want to have you share with the person next to you Who prayed at your Thanksgiving meal? Might be nobody. Tell them nobody, but tell them who prayed at your Thanksgiving meal, all right? All right. So you're going to find almost nowhere else. It's hardly ever in the Bible with this level of intimacy is talked about, that somebody is able to talk and have a conversation face-to-face. It describes this, this conversation that we're going to look at, that Moses has with God, describes a man who was all in, all in with God. It describes a man who's, Moses is about 80, 81, 82, somewhere right around in there, and it takes a lifetime to get this kind of connection with God for Moses. Through 80 years of success and failure, he's finally reached this point. And the question that I have in your notes, and we'll put up on the screen, is one I really want to focus in on today. When a man or woman who is all in with God talks with him face to face as friend does to friend, what in the world do they talk about? Now, today, most of our prayer conversations tend to be, Lord, make me healthy, solve my problems, increase my salary, help me get a boyfriend, help me get a girlfriend, help me get rid of my boyfriend, (laughs) make me happy, make me taller, help me lose 40 pounds, get me a better job. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Okay. Do you think face-to-face with God Almighty, that's what Moses conversed with him about? I think we're going to see there was something deeper that Moses would pray about and that we should be looking to pray about as well. 
Moses had spent the first 40 years of his life in an Egyptian palace. And then, terrible event, he commits murder, scandal. He leaves town and he spends the next 40 years out in the wilderness with shepherds and nomads learning what it means to truly hear the voice of God, to seek God. And during that time, he started listening and he recognized that he must do things on God's terms. That's what those 40 years taught him out in the wilderness. And so in his 80th year, at the burning bush moment, God calls Moses to come and to lead the people out of slavery, out of bondage. He asks tens of thousands of slaves to leave the place where they have grown up, where they have experienced life and the culture that they've been in. They were distrustful. They were skeptical. They were suspicious. They were unruly. They resisted authority, and they complained constantly, oh, goody, Moses gets to lead this group of Israelites, not the easiest band of people to lead. And so every time Moses turned around, the people were angry. And they were, again, like I said, a very difficult group of people to lead. That's what brings us to verse 1 of Exodus chapter 33. Look at it with me in your notes, if you would. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Not exactly what you want to hear God say. Now, just before this chapter, Moses had been on Mount Sinai. He'd returned from receiving the Ten Commandments. He comes down the mountain, and Aaron, his brother, and all the Israelites have formed this golden calf. They've made an idol. They're worshiping it. They're dancing around it, and God was angry. And we don't like to think of God getting angry, but God has a righteous anger that comes up within him when people turn against him. And when they abuse his grace, and that's exactly what the nation of Israel was doing here. So God says, I promised you the land, but I'm not going up with you. And Moses says, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to the tent of meeting, and we're going to have a chat. And as Moses hears these words, he goes there, and in this conversation, he's going to model for us what an all-in conversation with God looks like face-to-face -face, as a friend does to a friend. Let's pick it up in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. First of all, Moses says to God, Lord, teach me your ways. That's the start, and it begins, this all-in prayer that Moses prays begins in the mind. Lord, teach me your ways. Would you say that aloud with me? Lord, teach me your ways. Now, what does it mean to ask the Lord to teach you his ways? Gordon MacDonald, in his book, Building Below the Waterline, says this, that when we ask God to teach us his ways, we're asking him to teach us about his culture 
his way of doing things. You see, Moses had spent 40 years, as I said, in the Egyptian world. Then he's 40 years in a nomadic shepherding world. And now he's got this people who doesn't have their own culture. They don't have their own way of living. All they know is what everybody else has told them and how everyone else is said to live. And God says to Moses, I want you to lead this people. And Moses says, I can't do this unless you teach me about your culture, how you want us to live, how you want us to behave, what you want our world to look like. Moses says, I don't know any other way, so God, I need your help. I need insight into the way that you lead. Lord, teach me your ways. Our version of this might sound something like this. Lord, I've been totally immersed in the culture that I live in. Whether it's good or bad, I'm very familiar with the ways of the world that I live in. But as I give my life to you, as I'm seeking to follow you, I want your ways. I want to absorb as much of heaven as I can now so that I can bring your culture, your world, your ways into my classroom, into my home, into my workplace, into my church. Lord, would you teach me your ways? I'm desperate to know how you would handle this situation. I want to bring your world into my world now, in my generation. Most of us have prayer lives in which we're asking God to get us out of our circumstances, to change our circumstances, to alter them, but all in kinds of prayers. Focus not on changing the circumstances, but on changing our hearts inwardly. And so we begin with, God, teach me your ways. Moses is saying, Lord, after 82 years of living life, I've come to know that I have to know your ways and how you want to do things. And if you want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you pray these kinds of prayers. It'll bring you to a new depth as you concentrate on absorbing God's kingdom and bringing it here on this earth. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, not my will be done, but yours be done. I want your way to be done. That's why Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us to pray like that. Moses is a foreshadowing of what Jesus would eventually show us in this prayer. So he says, Lord, teach me your ways. But he goes on. Second part of this conversation, this chat that he has, it's an all-in experience, is Lord, guarantee to me your presence. And this is talking about the heart level right here. This is be moving beyond the mind to the heart. Would you pray this aloud with me, Ali? Let's say it together. Lord, guarantee to me your presence. One more time. Lord, guarantee to me your presence. Okay, so let's go on in verse 14. He says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So here's a change. God had said earlier in verse 3, I'm not going to go with you. But now in verse 14, he apparently likes Moses' attitude. He changes his mind and he said, all right, I will go with you. My presence will go. And here's what Moses prays in verse 15. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. 
Moses is saying, I'm not going to do this alone, God. I cannot possibly go up. I'm in way over my head, and I need your help. I want to be able to call on you. I'm not going on this journey unless you guarantee to me that you've got my back and that you're with me. And he's audaciously hungry for God. He's in over his head. He doesn't know what the next phase is, and so he openly admits it. God, I need your presence. Now, you might say, well, isn't God omnipresent? I mean, you may have been taught that, hey, God is everywhere. He's here. He's in every place, everywhere. In fact, the scriptures say, where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide from you? I can't get away from you. The truth of the matter is that God, yes, is everywhere, but we don't always sense him. We don't always, we're not always aware of his presence. It's not his fault. It's, that's on us, and we're not taking advantage of that. And so God is all around us, but Moses is saying, God, I just don't want to know that you're out there somewhere. I want your presence right in here with me. I don't want to leave this place. I don't want to go up from here. We cannot leave. We cannot go without you. What does presence imply to you in your world today? Help, companionship, assistance, guidance, all of those things. We all have fears. We all have insecurities. That's exactly what Moses is dealing with here in this part of his prayer. We all endure loneliness. And whether it's losing our job or losing our health or the loss of a loved one, some kind of a change in our circumstances, not being loved, not passing the exam, whatever it might be that you're facing today, we're all crying out in some way or another for the presence of God, to feel it, to know that it's there. That's what Moses is doing. Jesus came, we talk about this during the holidays especially, Jesus came as Emmanuel, which if you've been around for very long, you know that that means God with us. And so as you pray this prayer, as you're seeking God, you're asking Jesus, Emmanuel, God who is with you, you're saying to him in this part of the prayer, I'm completely dependent upon you. I'm submitting myself to you, God. I need your help. I need your companionship. I don't want to go this alone. It's an acknowledgement that you're dependent upon him and you're submitting to him. That's what it's all entailed there. And Lord, guarantee to me your presence. He wraps it up by praying one final piece here of an all-in prayer, and that is simply, now, Lord, would you show me your glory? Would you show me your glory? This is the strength part of the prayer. I need strength, and your glory reminds me that you're in control. Your power is displayed, and it gives me strength to live this life that you've asked me to live. Look at what he says in verse 18. Moses said, Now, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock, When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Glory sums up the worth of a person, the power of a person or of a nation 
or of an organization. So how does God display his glory? He says, Moses, I'm going to tell you something about who I am. I'm going to reveal to you my name. I'm going to tell you about my moral character. I'm going to tell you something about who I am. I'm abounding in love. I'm merciful. I'm slow to anger. I'm forgiving of wickedness and sin. I'm not impulsive. I'm not vindictive. I'm not unresponsive. I'm a God whose character is impeccable and absolutely dependable. I am the Lord, and you can lean into me. Some of you need to hear that today. As you're exploring who this God is, or maybe you're in way over your head, you need to be reminded that there is a God who is all-powerful, that has your back, that is with you if you're all in with him. He desperately longs to be in that relationship with you, to show you a fresh revelation of his power and his glory. And we've had a prayer life that depended upon changing circumstances. But this morning, God is saying to us, I want to take you deeper. And you might be saying, how do I go deeper? How do I become a person who's all in? Where do I start? I want to encourage you to start right here with this prayer, to do exactly what Moses did, to pray this prayer. As he faces God face-to-face with these challenges head-on, He goes to him and he prays this prayer. Lord, teach me your ways. Guarantee to me your presence and show me the revelation of your power and your glory. And we want to help you to do that. It's the holiday season. It's time for gifts. We want to encourage you to, our connection team is going to pass out some bookmarks here to help you remember this. Have we got one per family? Is that right? Okay. Okay, one per family. Leftovers will be in the, in the uh, entryway. So the readers take one of these and go. Pass them on down. The front side of this bookmark says, All in, loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's just a way for you to be able to remember what we've been in this month. The back side of this is an encouragement for you to pray this prayer as an experiment. Lord, teach me your ways. Guarantee to me your presence. And show me the revelation of your power and your glory. Imagine how different the holidays could be between now and Christmas if you would pray this kind of prayer. There's nothing magical about these particular words, although I'll tell you that for the last three or so months, my wife and I have been praying this prayer, and we've been kind of paying real close attention to how God is teaching us his ways and how he's showing up in our lives in very special ways, and how the revelation of his power and glory. And we're intentionally looking for that because we're praying this prayer. And we want to invite you to reply back as you experiment with this and you're working through this. We want to encourage you to throw it on Facebook, on our, on our um, Riverside Facebook page, how you're seeing God changing your heart and how you're seeing him show up and the power that he's displaying in your world and the way that he's the way that you're sensing his presence and the ways in which he's teaching you about his culture about his kingdom and how it's coming into your world every day we encourage you to join in with us as we do this for the next 30 days or so it's about 30 days between now and um, and Christmas and so I want to encourage you to go to God with this kind of prayer Lord would you teach me your ways Now, go back to where you were sitting with your blankie and your kitty cat or your dog or whatever you had there, okay? 
How is your conversation with God a little different? How would that conversation have looked 25, 30 minutes ago versus how it might sound now? If you were to talk to God face to face as a friend does to a friend, if you were praying this way, what would be different about you? What would be different about the conversation that you would have with God? Maybe you'd say, you know what? I'm not a Christian. I wouldn't be interested in doing this. I, I want to encourage you to, to open yourself up to that, to, to take this challenge. Next 30 days, maybe yours will sound a little bit different. Maybe it'll say, you know, God, I don't even know for sure if you're out there. But if you are, would you teach me your ways? Don't know for sure that I'm even interested in your ways, but I'd love to at least begin the conversation. Then you might say, you know what? I don't know if you're out there, but if you are, would you just break into my world in some way or another a little bit today that I could just begin to even know that you're out there and then show up some way that I could see it in some kind of a powerful demonstration? Test God in that. See what might happen. Pay attention and look if you were to pray that kind of a prayer, what that might look like. For those of us who've been following Jesus for a while, how different would your prayer life be if you prayed this way? versus some of the ways we talked about earlier. Nothing wrong with praying those other things. Jesus invited us to go to God with everything. The scriptures tell us that, to pray in every circumstance. But if we never get past the, help me lose weight, help me get a boyfriend, help me get a girlfriend, bless my bologna sandwich, if we never get to, to this kind of prayer, it never takes us where God wants us to go in being all in, loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Before we conclude, I want to just encourage you to one more thing, that the picture that we have here in this story is of Moses interceding on behalf of the Israelites. He would go into the tent of meeting and he would pray for those people. Moses is giving us a picture. The Old Testament is always pointing us to Jesus and what he would do. And this story shows Moses interceding on behalf of the nation of Israel. Jesus intercedes for you and I today. He's praying for us. He's praying for you. He's wanting you to pray this kind of a bold prayer and having a face-to-face. -face. Just as Moses would intercede then, Jesus is still interceding for you and for me today. We should lean into that. We should remember that when we go into our schools we should remember that when we go into our places of work, when we're going home today. And maybe, just maybe, between now and Christmas, as we think about the kinds of prayers that this would lead us to, the kind of eye-opening, all-in conversations with God, how much different could our Christmas gatherings be? Would there be a deeper, richer experience? That person that you're going to see at Christmas, just a few weeks away, that's so hard to love and so hard to be around. If we were praying this kind of prayer, what would that do? How would that change us? Not necessarily our circumstances, but how would it change us? Here's the thing that Jesus would tell us, I think, if he were still walking and talking here amongst us, as he is by his Holy Spirit. I think he would say the answer to, Lord, teach me your ways. He would say, David, my way is for you to love your neighbor as yourself. This week when you're going into that place of work or going into wherever the classroom's going to be, if you're going back to college, it's going to be, hey, my ways are you're going to love others around you, even the people who aren't the easiest to love. 
And then once we start to get that way down, then it grows from there. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. We're going to practice just a couple times. We'll put the words up on the screen there. You can have it in your notes. You can look at your bookmark, whatever you want to do. But let's, let's pray this prayer aloud, okay? Lord, teach me your ways. Guarantee to me your presence. Show me the revelation of your power and your glory. Again, let's get it and get it with conviction. Lord, teach me your ways. Guarantee to me your presence. Show me the revelation of your power and your glory. One more time. Lord, teach me your ways. Guarantee to me your presence. Show me the revelation of your power and your glory. Father, on this Thanksgiving weekend, we're grateful that you are merciful, that you are slow to get angry, that you are gracious, that your love abounds more and more for for us and to us. Thank you for the example of Moses. And like him, we don't want to leave this place without knowing that your presence is with us. So God, wherever we find ourselves in this journey of faith, whether we've decided to follow you or we're still exploring, would you begin to, in little ways and big ways, teach us your culture and your kingdom, that we might bring it here on earth, that we might absorb it, that we might reflect it, that we might live it out everywhere that we go, in every way, in every interaction that we would have. Lord, would you help us to sense your presence? We acknowledge that you're all around us, but we don't always feel you. So at the heart level, would you remind us again of how much we mean to you? Would you guarantee to us that we don't leave this place alone, that you're with us, that you've got our back? Would you fill us afresh and anew with a fresh revelation of your power and your glory, not so that we would get the praise of people, but so that you would be demonstrated in our world through us, that you would give us the strength to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would be all in in loving you, all in in conversing with you, that you would take us to the deeper places of prayer, that we would see the holidays in this next several weeks through a new set of lenses as we see your power and your glory show up in incredible ways. It's our desire to be all in. And so we thank you for teaching us your ways for guaranteeing to us your presence and for showing us a fresh revelation of your power and your glory. It's in your name that we pray. You have been listening to the Riverside Community Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.